Hello there guys, James Marshall here, chilling out on a very lovely summer's evening in Budapest. Finished Euro Tour, got a couple of days off before I could move into my next coaching uh, obligations and passion. And while I was doing that, I started thinking in more depth about some of the elements of my own personal journey in seduction and of course the thousands of students that I've worked with and looking at what are the things over time that make the big difference. I've been doing this as a profession now for nearly 10 years and I've trialed out all sorts of different things in terms of different teaching techniques and different strategies for getting better with women. Some of them I've seen uh, can have a short-term gain or they'll, they're kind of tricks and tips things that will help a guy to get in state or to, you know, a clever thing to say or a thing that might work in a specific situation, say in a club or meeting a girl who's standing at a, a tram stop, all sorts of little technical things which can certainly help. But I've always been more interested in what are the overarching principles and themes that make the difference in the long term. Recently I released a video on things that over the long term will fuck up your dating life. These are things that are very common that men do that can just insidiously over time grind you down. Things that sometimes seem like they should work, but don't. And a lot of guys really resonated with that video. There was a lot of kind of aha moments and hard truth bombs being dropped on people. And I got a lot of good feedback from that from guys who were like, fuck, yeah, I've been doing that and I need to stop doing it. Today, I'm going to present the opposite of that, which is things that I've been outlining recently that make the difference positively in your dating life over the long term. Right, so these are not necessarily techniques or lines to say, but these are mindsets and behaviors that will massively improve your chances over time. So without further delay, five things that make you kick ass with women in the long run. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Number one may seem like kind of a strange one to start with, but I feel like it is one of the most important elements of a guy that is really effective with women, and that is having curiosity. That's right sexual desire or like an animalistic thing to try and fuck chicks that's good to have as well but having curiosity in general about life and most specifically about people and women i've noted that the guys that are the most effective the ones that get the most success with women are not the ones that view this as kind of a separate activity like a skill that they a hobby that they go and practice in their garage and then they go out in field and they go and do the seduction thing in order to kind of get the result a return on investment uh, of if I do this amount of approaches, then I'm going to get this amount of sexes. Guys who view seduction in this way tend to burn out or they just don't get very good results. Because if you're coming from this from a point of separation, of like I'm trying to achieve a goal, I'm trying to get women as, as some kind of object or some validation kind of measure or you're trying to prove something and you're not seeing it as, as an interaction, as, a, as an actual connection with a human being, then you won't get very good at it. And you won't enjoy life very much either because the reality is most of the enjoyment that you get out of life is through the emotional exchanges that you have with people. I know for myself, over the years, I've become more and more curious about people. A guy in the last Euro tour, we finished a couple of days ago, he asked me over dinner, do you ever get bored of doing this? Like now that you've seen so many interactions, you've been with so many women, you've had all these experiences, 
Doesn't it get boring because you kind of know what's going to happen? And I thought about it and I said, actually, no, I find it's more interesting now than it was when I started. Because when I started, I thought that I, I, I had more arrogance. I actually had more uh, delusion. I thought that I knew people pretty well. I thought, okay, that type of girl's a club girl or that type of girl's a corporate chick. So therefore, I don't have anything in common with her. I don't care about what she cares about. So talking to her is going to be pretty boring. And the only reason I talked to her is to try and get her into bed. And I wasn't very good at talking to people that I didn't care about being with and they didn't think it was very convincing. So I didn't get to sleep with many of those girls. What I developed over time was a curiosity to find out what all people are like, to be able to meet different types of women. And even if I perceived that they were from a different demographic or into a different type of lifestyle, rather than making snap judgments and perceiving that I already knew what those people were and I could uh, define them and put them in a box easily, that instead I made it my mission to dig deeper inside people and find out what they're really like. Because in my opinion, it's the job of the primary communicator to make someone interesting. An interesting person can find out what's interesting in someone else because they are interested, because they have a curiosity. As time's gone on, yeah, I've met pretty much all the types of girls I think that I'm going to meet. You know, I, I've certainly had many interactions where I'm like, oh yeah, I've been here before in some sense. I, this is a 21-year-old girl who's studying at uni and she lives with her parents and she has a job and, you know, she goes out partying on the weekends and she sometimes takes drugs and, you know, she watches TV shows. Like, I've met girls like that before. But if I perceive her just as, a, you know, another girl that fits into those checkboxes, then I'll be like, okay, whatever, this is the same old chick. I just need to say the things and hopefully get sex out of it. That's not a good way to seduce someone because each person is unique. And yeah, okay, we all have similarities and many of us have been through similar circumstances. And so we might, you know, think certain things in the same direction and have, we have human responses, but each one of us has individual unique aspects about ourselves. And if you're very curious to find out what is that really makes a girl tick, the way she is more so than the what she does, then you will, of course, be more, you'll enjoy the process more because you're always finding out new things. And very importantly, she will perceive that you're listening to her, that you actually give a shit, that you want to find out what it is about her specifically that is sexy, that is interesting, that has life and light in it. And as I've developed more and more curiosity over time, because I guess I've allowed myself to be fascinated by the world, to be fascinated by sociology, history, the way people communicate, the infinite ways that they express their sexuality, and their desires and their frustrations and all that, I've become more and more interested in the human condition over the years. It's meant that I'm able to relate to far more different types of people. It means that when I meet someone who's from a totally different world than me, I don't understand anything about their social culture or the way things are done in their scene, I can still have a connection. And girls often find themselves meeting me and, th and thinking initially, he's not my type, he's not from my scene, he's not the kind of guy that I would usually date but finding them themselves attracted to me because they can see that even though we're from different worlds, we have a real connection, a connection which is based on me listening, reading, projecting intention, communicating my desire and at the same time hearing what it is that she's trying to communicate below the words, outside of the spectrum of just the answering the questions, right? So if you want to be a guy who's effective and awesome with women, then you have to actually give a shit about them. And so if there's a guy there who's like, oh man, fuck that, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, you should rethink your attitude. If you're just looking at women as uh, an object to conquer 
or as like the same thing over and over again, then you're going to miss all of the wonderful, unique things that she has to offer. You're going to not see the best of her. And that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. If, you're, if you perceive that she doesn't have anything to offer, then she's not going to want to offer it to you. And so you then just repeat that cycle of thinking that women don't have anything to offer. Women are amazing. They have infinite numbers of emotional and physical and sexual uh, responses. And if you maintain that sense of, I'm always interested in finding out about this woman right now. I want to know what makes her tick. I want to see what her light is like inside. Then lots of those girls will see you as a sexual prospect. So very important. And of course, this can be difficult sometimes when you're out grinding and you're approaching girls or many, many girls. And sometimes it can feel like it's repetitive and it's a job, it's a chore to go out there and do this. You have to be very wary of that. If you perceive it as a chore, I'm just approaching and approaching, I'm doing this thing and ah, fucking, there's no, what's the, the amount of time I put into this, is it worth it? That's not very sustainable. You need to look at each interaction as a unique moment in time. That even though you may have approached a whole bunch of other girls before and, and you will afterwards, my uh, attitude is always, I'm here with this woman now and I want to really find out what's possible between us in this moment. Regardless of what happened before or what's going to happen in the future with any other girls, it's important that I'm there with her. Because otherwise she perceives that you're just kind of going through the motions. It's not interesting for her. She doesn't want to stick around in that situation. And you'll be surprised. You'll allow yourself to be constantly surprised by girls. Even if you've met a bunch that day and it was like humdrum, yeah, okay, nothing much specially happening. But if you're there focused and clear and there in the moment with the girl, you'll be surprised. Some girl will come along and shake you or give you something which you weren't expecting. And uh, out of that blossoms beautiful moments and relationships. Stay curious. Number two, I don't think will come as any surprise to anyone who knows me at all, and that is meditation. I've talked about this at great length. I've released products on it. This is one of the bedrock teachings that I give in my live programs. The ability to focus your mind in ways that are effective. The ability to get out of your head, which so often is not assisting you, so much of what you think and what I think and what everyone thinks is completely useless. The vast majority of the thoughts that run through your mind and run around in circles all day don't serve you. They don't so solve amazing problems. They don't bring incredible insights. Often they're just repetitive chatter or, and worse still, they can very often be negative chatter where you are coaching yourself in a really bad way to not feel great about yourself. So learning a skill that allows you to draw focus away from the linear thoughts that are just chattering away in your head and to bring them into the present experience is I know for myself being the most important tool that I've ever learned. Right, I did my first long-term meditation retreat when I was 18 years old, my first 10-day retreat. And I, I still mark that in the kind of narrative of my life as being the best thing that I ever did. Right, in terms of how much change came out of that. And then, of course, I did a lot of follow-up work after that. It wasn't just that one period. But learning to sit, move my awareness out of here and into my body, to observe my breathing, to really investigate the way my mind, emotions, and body interacted and affected each other and were reactive. This allowed me to start to shift my personality. This allowed me to take out the original major issues that I had in my personality, which was back then, a lot of anger, a lot of cynicism, 
a lot of negativity and depression which I developed in childhood in my teenage years and this was stuff that was obviously making my life miserable I wasn't enjoying myself and of course when you're not enjoying yourself people don't really want to be around you very much and so I wasn't getting what I wanted in my relationships either. Meditation was a very very profound and practical tool that allowed me to draw myself into the present and understand the way that things such as anger took me over. Right? Because each one of us has elements within us that we've learned in childhood or growing up or through extreme experiences where we have reactions. Reactions are where something happens, triggers, triggers us and we lose control. And I see this very, very commonly with guys who are out in the field. Of course, when they come to me on the first few days of a workshop, first couple of days we can usually get a handle on it. But when guys start out, the idea of running up to a gorgeous woman who they find intimidating or they perceive to be out of their league or they think that she might have some power over them, they have this response inside them which they perceive as anxiety or fear or embarrassment or terror sometimes, panic, right? So the external stimulus, which is the hot chick coming into their field of view, sets off all these triggers inside themselves and they react and then they lock down. Mentally, they lock down. They can't think of what to say. Sometimes their entire bodies can lock down where they literally can't move or they're shaking or you guys know this sensation. They call it approach anxiety, right? Where you feel all this stuff in your body and it's a, it's a whole bunch of reactions that have activated. If you don't have a, a mental focus tool to be able to deal with this, then it's really hard to move through it. Some people can just use kind of willpower to force themselves to go and do something even though they may be feeling terrified or perceiving terror, perceiving fear. But for the most part, what happens is guys feel all these negative sensations, they have these negative mental associations, and then they find excuses or ways to back away from it. Right? And you've all been there, I know I've been there, You've seen the girl, you want to do it, and something inside you just convinces you maybe you just better do something else, right? And uh, that's the mental battle of this whole thing. Right? A lot of guys come to us primarily for that. And once we can, I can show guys very soon that we can get through that pretty quickly and then we can get on to the more interesting stuff. But it is a battle that you need to win. So meditation for me has been the most powerful tool to be able to relax, focus, not get so carried away by my emotional responses or the thoughts that are happening in my head. And even if I do get carried away, which certainly I still do, to be able to bring myself back to a, a balanced calm uh, much faster than previously to learning meditation. There are, of course, all sorts of meditation styles. I don't recommend all of them. Some of them, I think, are a bit of a waste of time. Some of them are kind of cult-based. We have to believe in a certain god or a guru. Uh, some of them require a whole lot of visualization, which I don't think is necessarily that useful unless you, I just don't think it's that useful. So the meditation systems that I recommend is my one, Marshall Meditation Method, which you can find out about on the TNL site, which is a derivative of all sorts of other techniques that I have learned throughout my years. I've, I've traveled to China, to India, I've learned from all sorts of masters and gurus to find ones that are effective, that don't require you to have faith or believe in some strange religion or something. These are tools that are science of mind and matter, using your own ability to shift awareness or shift focus as the tool. So the style that I most commonly recommend outside of what I teach would be Vipassana, and you can look that up online, there's lots of information about it. If you can take 10 days out of your life to sit down and shut up and watch what your mind does, recommended. You may well hate me on day five or six, you'd be like, fuck that James Marshall, he made me sit here. Uh, because it is very difficult to do a long-term retreat. It's, I still chart this as being 
one of, if not the most difficult things that I ever did in my life was my first one of these retreats when I had, they got easier, a bit easier over time, but the first one was in some ways excruciating and grueling. But if you want to learn to control your mind, to gain better balance, to be able to have more focus and power, then it is worth it. Because the alternative is being constantly at the whims of whatever's going on inside you, whatever triggers get activated by external circumstances. Meditation, my number one recommendation for living an exceptional life and definitely, definitely helps with getting the latency. Number three on the list is logistics. Now what I'm talking about when I refer to logistics is your location, like the city that you choose to live in and whereabouts in the city that you live and how all of the kind of supporting structures around you assist or don't assist you in meeting women. Now I've met guys, I've taught guys actually, who are in logistically very difficult circumstances. One of the guys on my last workshop was working in the army and he had an insane schedule where he had very little time to himself where he was allowed to be out socializing. I've taught guys who worked on oil rigs, right? One client I'm thinking of, he would spend a month out in the fucking ocean on an oil rig where there was no chicks. He'd work for a month and then he'd, and then he'd come back and he'd have a month off. Or I've taught guys who've lived in very small towns, guys who've worked in, in rural areas as a mountain guide or as a farmer, for example. Now, it is possible to work around this. The guy who I taught who works on the oil rig, for example, he spends his month on working on his fitness, meditating, working on personal development, he's working on business ideas, whilst of course doing his job on the oil rig. And then the day that he arrives back in civilization, he's fucking on. And he goes straight away to a party city or a, or a city where there's lots and lots of things happening and he makes it work. Right, so I mean, you can work around bad logistics, but I would suggest that you don't if you don't have to. The, one of the major reasons why I've been able to have so much experience and so have such great effect in my own seduction life is that I've moved where the girls are, right? I've moved where the things are happening. I was brought up in a shitty town called Canberra in Australia, capital city, bit of boring city, 200-ish thousand people when I was growing up there. Not much going on in social life. Like that, that size city is still enough to get something happening. But for me, I wanted to go to a city where things were happening, where it was vibrant. I was a musician at the time and I wanted to be where that stuff was happening. And I wanted to develop myself with women. So I ended up moving and I was broke and I, and I had to take risks, but I moved to Melbourne, Australia, which was 4 million people, which, which exploded my possibilities hugely. And then some years later, after traveling around Europe and noticing, hang on a minute, there's a bunch of these cities here where the girls are fucking hot and the dudes are not. And they're really awesome cities in terms of logistics. And so I decided to move over to this part of the world, which has again made my life easier and, made, and brought me into a density of very attractive women in a city that's easily livable and it works for dating. Right? So there are lots of places in, around the world that are not very conducive to you having an exceptional dating life. Even some of the very large cities, for example, London, can be a very difficult, or LA, for example, can be very difficult cities to maneuver in because they're so fucking expensive, because they're so spread out and huge that if you, and, and they don't have a fantastic public transport systems, meaning that if you meet a girl on one side, of, who lives on one side of the city and you live on the other, getting to meet each other can be a real, real impossibility because it, otherwise someone has to spend $150 one way on a cab, for example. 
right? So I know I've worked with clients a lot who've been living in big, expensive cities that are all spread out and not very social. And they've decided that at some point after doing a course that it was better, like making decisions about where you live and what part of the city you live in can have a massive bearing on your effectiveness. Even in one city, there's massive, of course, there's major differences about living way out in the suburbs where there is no social life. There's no cafes or bars or parks or beaches where people are hanging out. Whereas within most cities, there's a central hub where things are happening. For myself, it was always far more important where I lived in a city than what kind of lifestyle or like how cool my house was, for example. So I always made it a priority to get in. And often as I was growing up, that meant being in a shitty share house, right? I, I lived in all sorts of bad share houses um, growing up where the taps didn't work properly and they were ugly and there was cockroaches hanging around. I mean, I don't think you have to live with cockroaches, but I certainly did at different points. But they were places that were central, whether it was central Canberra or central Melbourne or fucking central LA or central New York, wherever it is that I've moved and lived over the years. It was, I knew that it was more important to be where the things were happening than to have a super cool pad uh, that was not logistically useful, right? Because a girl, as long as there's a bed and it doesn't stink and the lighting is okay and you've got some music to play, like most girls don't really care where they have sex as long as like it just is not a total disgusting pit. But you can turn more or less any space into a place that's where a girl can walk in and go, yeah, okay, I could fuck in here. And often that's one of the things that makes it easy to get laid, okay? You meet a girl at a bar and then if you can walk back to your place, that is such a e much easier decision for her to make than to go, fuck, okay, I need to get in this guy's car, or I need to get in a cab with him, and we need to travel all the way out to his place, and then I, like, what if I decide I don't want to sleep with him? Like, how do I get back? Or how do I get out of this situation? Or if it goes well, like, I mean, then what? I'm still stuck out there, right? So it's a much bigger decision for a girl to have to make than to be able to go, you to be able to go, oh, well, do you want to come upstairs? We can have a cup of tea and then you can head home if you want. She's like, mm, okay, yeah, I could have a cup of tea on the way home. Come upstairs and then cup of tea ends up into raucous sex. And then she's like, all right, cool. Well, now I can get in an Uber and head home and it's just around the corner, right? So that's the kind of thing that will often make the decision much easier for a girl. Of course, it's also in terms of nightlife. If you can be live in a place where the nightlife is in with, within walking or short transport distance away from you, again, easier to extract people from situations, nightlife situations, and bring them back home. So if you're a guy who, who really wants to get good at this and you're living in a city of 10,000 people, or you're living in a place which is, for example, religiously or culturally where it's unacceptable to meet girls, right? And there are certainly a whole bunch of places around the world where it's not really cool to approach girls in the street, then you may have to look at the realities of like how it, that it's time to move. And if that's not instantly realistic for you because of financial constraints or family constraints or a job or whatever, okay, that's something that's, I understand, people have realistic constraints, but you must understand that there are sometimes systemic limitations to the location that you're in. And no amount of positive thinking or getting in the right mindsets or even practice is necessarily gonna yield great results. I've moved multiple times cities first and then countries, entire fucking continents. I've moved multiple times in order to be in places where there are lots of hot girls around, where it's easy to meet them, where it's easy to get them back to my house or get go to their house, where there is a society and a culture which is 
if not supporting me, at least not against this kind of thing. So where it's okay to do this and there's no, there's no legal constraints so there's no big issues about it. And that's meant that I've got to have way better results than if I'd stayed back in my hometown. Jesus Christ, I, I shudder thinking about it. If I'd done that, my life would not be nearly as good. I would be, I, there's no chance that I would be able to have the experiences that I've had now living in Canberra. Right, so to all my friends back in Canberra, all right, well, good luck to you. I feel a bit sorry for everyone there. Uh, I'll go back in Christmas and see my mum, but that's it. Those kinds of places, second, third tier cities, if you want to have an exceptional life, you kind of got to go where the exceptional lives are being had. And uh, it doesn't have to mean the hugest city or the most glamorous city. There are lots of cool places around the world where it's people are friendly, where you can socialize, where the, the logistics of the streets mean that people are walking on the streets. That's one reason I don't like Los Angeles very much, is that in most parts of that city, people don't walk. There's, I mean, how do I approach girls if there's no girls on the street and they're all in cars? Uh, I can't really do it in the way that I like to do it so well. So a city like that's not effective for me. So have a think about this. And I know some, for some guys, this may mean big changes if you wanna get the best out of a location, but then you gotta ask yourself, what's the, what's the point of your life? Like, what, do you, what are the things that are most important to you? If meeting lots of girls and getting really good at this is low down on your list, okay, stay in your hometown. If it's something that you have a burning passion for and you wanna get exceptionally good at, you gotta go where the girls are. Number four is style. Having a good sense of style is one of the easiest ways to massively increase the passive value that you have just walking down the streets. Being able to understand the social matrix that you live within, the way that colors, fabrics work with your body, and most importantly, to be able to understand what type of archetype are you representing through your style. This is something that makes a massive difference with the effect that you can have on women. Now, a lot of guys have a lot of resistance to improving the way that they dress and their style because they perceive it to be shallow, right? I've heard this many times before, where guys are like, well, it shouldn't matter what I dress like. I want a woman to like me for me, for my personality. And if she's gonna judge me on the way that I dress, then I don't wanna have anything to do with a woman like that anyway. I think this is a really stupid way to view things because the reality is that we live in a world where there are dress codes. There are all sorts of dress codes and they communicate all sorts of things. Of course, there's a reason why people who are in powerful positions, men in powerful positions, don't walk around in cargo shorts and singlets when they're doing international deals or when they're deciding the fate of the world. There's a reason why musicians and actors and people who are famous and popular and sexy dress in a particular way and why, there's, why this has effects on people around them. There's a difference between style and fashion. So what I'm saying is you don't need to become excellent with fashion. Fashion is what's going on right now, this season, honey, that's gonna change in a month or three months. There are all sorts of things that were cool and then very soon afterwards were not so cool. In fact, they became cringeworthy. If you just look back on video clips from now back through to the 60s, there's all these, of course, dress trends which now people wouldn't be seen dead in. And then sometimes they become cool again later. Recent ones you may remember, things like having a pink polo shirt with the collar popped up, right? That was something that probably a David Beckham or some cool person wore once because they were just like fucking around with stuff. And then someone was like, that's it, that's the look this summer. And then suddenly every dickhead is wearing it and looking ridiculous. And then 
three months later or a year later, you look at your Facebook photos and, and go, what was I thinking? What was, I, what was I possibly thinking wearing that? Or like stuff that when I was growing up in the 90s or in the late, in early 2000s where guys were wearing uh, ripped jeans with lots of paint splatters or shirts that had all these squiggly lines and extra bits and bells and whistles on them. Guys are wearing all these extra, this stuff that was like bling and had all these rips and paint splatters and all this kind of stuff on a normal shirt that was considered to be cool for a short amount of time and then very soon afterwards is very dated as in it, it's very clear that this was from a specific point in fashion history that was cool for a day and not cool anymore. So I don't recommend getting into that unless you want to be following the whims of fashion all the time. There are some people who stay on the cutting edge of fashion. If you live in a place like New York, you'll see guys who are just constantly on the edge of that and understand it, and they can wear the, wear the stuff that's cool now and dump it when it's not cool. Okay, if you want to play that game and you, you have an interest in it, well, Good luck to you, it's pretty expensive and it requires you to make fashion a hobby of yours. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in style that is timeless, things that have always kind of worked and always will. And there will be some elements of it that will be time specific, but mostly the things that I wear will probably be cool and look good at any point in style history. So it is really important that you dress better than the average guy because it's a way for you to stand out. Because what it says is, I get it. I get that I'm living in a social matrix. I get that there's hierarchies. I get that there is messages that I can communicate. And I get that there are archetypes, right? So there are, there are certain male models, right, of cool guys or sexy guys or powerful guys out there in the consciousness of women, right? When they visualize what it is to have a sexy man, he's dressed. He's not, they're not just thinking of a naked guy, like maybe we're thinking of naked girls. We don't necessarily think so much in terms of the way the girl dresses maybe, but for women, they are looking like, okay, if I'm looking for a guy that's a boss, that's powerful, that has an effect in the world, maybe a guy that's in a well-cut suit is something that's going to attract the woman. If she's interested in a guy that is kind of more rebellious or doesn't play by the rules, then she'll have fashion or style archetypes in her mind that relate to that, such as a leather jacket or a slim fitting jeans or you know a, a, a grubby white t-shirt with with a necklace for example like all sorts of things that when a girl sees a guy dressed in a certain way she she gets messages from him okay that's a guy's a bit of a bad boy that guy's a boss that guy's in command of his life that guy is expressive and artistic and is out there right? there's all sorts of ways we can express our personality through our style i'm not saying that you need to model any particular person or stick to something that's strict but if you can start to get even just a rudimentary understanding of what is it that's generic style, what is it that everyone's wearing. You look around, you, particularly in places like North America, you just see armies of dudes wearing plaid shirts, Czech shirts, or polo shirts, or you know the same ill-fitting kind of t-shirts, or khaki cargo shorts, uh, like gym runners, like all of these kinds of things that we just say generic, just like every other dude. And if you want to stand out, in the crowd a little bit, you want to be able to make uh, an impact on the women that you're approaching, then learning to dress well is a way that you can go up and say hi and the girl in an instant will just go, okay, this guy kind of gets it. All right, this guy understands that there is a, a social matrix and, and that he's worked out a place in it. All right, I'm gonna give him a chance. So don't make it harder on yourself by wearing Crocs and shitty polo shirts or clothes that your mother bought you or, or things that were cool two years ago and now are definitely not cool. Make it easy on yourself, wear stuff that fits well, matches your colouring, and says something about 
you. Says something about the archetype that you want to present to the women out there. Number five is approaching strangers. Seems kind of obvious when you're a guy who's researching and learning about seduction, yet most men almost never do this. The reality for most men who are outside of, who've never heard of this kind of work, is that the amount of times in their life where they'll go and speak to a complete stranger may be less than 10. And unfortunately, even for the guys that are watching this video, I know that there's thousands of guys who watch this very video who are not really approaching girls at all. Or if they are, they're doing it very haphazardly. Once a week, once every now and then, once when the opportunity is really easy, once when the girl gives you really clear signals. If you want to get good with women, you need to meet lots of them. Lots of them, not just one every now and then, not just some on the weekend when you're drunk and not just at a party because that's gonna mean that you don't get the sample size needed in order to be able to understand how this actually works. Lots of men out there think that they're trying to, if they're learning this, learning seduction at all, it's because they're trying to find the one, to find one really awesome girlfriend. Hmm, was I talking about talking to people? Oh yeah. Talking to people, strangers, strangers. That's something I couldn't have done many years ago, 10 years ago. I would just be walking along and I would see a girl walk past. And even though I saw that girl before and she gave me a little look and I thought, oh, maybe she likes me. But previous to me having lots of experience with women, I wouldn't know what to do. And the result of having met hundreds and probably thousands of women and being rejected by most of them means that now I have a fucking awesome, sexy girlfriend who's bisexual and doesn't mind that I go and do that that whenever I land in a new city, even though I may know nobody, I can make connections, friends, and lovers very, very fast. The ability to approach strangers is one of the most important skills you can possibly have in your life. It's going to determine what level of choice you have, particularly in your sexual life. So I know that everyone that's watching this video is, is aware of the idea of approaching strangers and you want to do it, um, but until you make that a regular part of your life, then nothing much else happens. And that's one of the main reasons guys come to me is because they have a lot of block around just going over and saying hi and getting something started. And I understand that there is a whole lot of uh, mental roadblocks and technical aspects that you may not be aware of. And, and of course, all of the fear surrounding having pretty girl reject you or to be or being embarrassed in a public space. This is, this is an issue that is common to most men, but the, the benefit of it, of being able to do it is absolutely life-changing. This has been one of the few skills in my life that I've learned that means that my life is exceptionally awesome and fun and not lonely and then I get to have sex with hot girls. This is, this is how it's, this is the skill. So approaching is something that you must learn and if you're having trouble doing it yourself, come to me and we'll figure out or do the five principles course coming soon because we look at this in great depth and give you all sorts of drills and ways to do it. But until you're having regular women, and it's not that, like I said, here and there doesn't really make any difference because you're not getting enough of a sample size. You're not getting to experience enough of the different reactions that you're going to get from girls to experience the harsh rejections, the soft rejections, the, the almost you got it, and then the, you got the number and it flakes, and then the girls are really interested. There's a whole spread of reactions that you'll get from girls. And you need to be able to do that over and over again to get the feedback and learn, learn the skill set. Because that means that when the right girl walks by you, the girl of your dreams, the one, or the one for now anyway, that you're prepared for her. Because you don't get prepared for meeting the girl of your dreams just by meeting her. There's, you need to meet some other girls in the meantime. 
Let's go and do that. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.